The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's www.adworks.com slash billrisser. When we talk about where this industry is headed, you're seeing increased automation, you're seeing ISAs being used, call centers being used, uh, you know, automatic responders and texts and all that. I get that. I get why people do it. But we can never forget the fact of these are people. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Hey everybody, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. It's been really fun to see the podcast keep growing and uh, I have no one to thank but you, the listeners, for telling someone else about it and uh, continuing to tune in. We continue on a path of just amazing guests today with Brett Calthart. Brett is the Director of Talent Attraction with Better Homes and Garden Real Estate. Brett's got a, a very interesting story. Um, I mean, he's now in New Jersey by, we'll call it though, by way of Kansas, Florida, maybe Vancouver, British Columbia. I mean, he's been all over the place. Let's find out how all that happened. Brett, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Bill. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's you know we we actually met for the first time I think this year at Inman. I, I've known all about you. We've been connected socially for a long time, but and we didn't have a lot of time to spend in San Francisco. You were very busy as an ambassador, and I was with some people. But I'm glad we had this opportunity to, to kind of get to know a little bit more about you and, and where you come from. And the first thing that I realized is you know you have been all around this. We're going to say world. But you started off mm -hmm. born and raised in Kansas, right? How, how long were you there? I was. Uh, so I was born and raised in Kansas City. I, I grew up there, as, aside from a very brief, probably about eight months in Des Moines and an eight-month span in Minnesota. For the most part, I was in Kansas City until just before my 21st birthday. Um, at that point, I moved to South Coast, Florida to pursue my dreams, which at that time was trying to become a rock star, I'm a musician. So uh, that was where all the rock bands were getting signed out of. So I figured I would take my talents to Florida, just like uh, LeBron, and see if I could chase fame and fortune in white sand beaches. And I found, you know, one out of three. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, we got we to gotta <laughs> talk more about this. So let's talk about your rock career. Um, how old were you when you first started playing music? Did your parents force you okay. or did you do it because you wanted to? Oh, no, I, you know, I, my, my folks are, you know, the kind of the children, the, the reformed hippies, I like to joke. Um, so I grew up with music in the house a lot. I actually started piano lessons, I think I was probably about five. Wow. And then my dad always had an acoustic guitar around, which he knew about four chords on. And starting when I was about six or seven, uh, I started taking an interest. I took lessons probably until about fifth grade. And then other than that, I'm just self-taught. I play by ear. So I used to just listen to the music on the radio and figure out how to play it. And uh, yeah, it was a, it's been practically a lifelong pursuit. I started writing music when I was 
I'm probably about nine or ten, and had bands consistently growing up. So yeah, it was uh, it's something that's always been a bit of a, a big part of my life for sure. You you also had some level of success in Florida though, right? I mean, you're kind of being very uh, you know very humble here, but you 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 opened for some acts. Talk about some of the talk about the the I, I'm slipping my the name is slipping my mind. You're the main band that you uh, you uh, sure. Oh, no worries. Well, I mean, we never got signed, so nobody's probably heard of us outside okay. Florida. So uh, I had two different bands that landed production deals. And what that is is basically a producer who has a track record of success, hears your band and says, you know what, I want to work with you guys and, you know, basically donate, a, you know, my, my talents, my services, my name, and then I will shop this demo to record labels to help you get a record deal. And then if you get signed, I get a chunk of that money. So uh, the first band was called Code Sunshine, and uh, we were in a contest for Jim Beam and Rolling Stone in, I think, gosh, about 2003 or four. Uh, we came in as one of the top five unsigned bands of the country, and that got us some recognition. So uh, we did a demo with a woman by the name of Sylvia Massey, who produced Tool, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, a bunch of different bands, Johnny Cash, who worked with. So we recorded a demo with her and uh, did a little mini tour and then uh, didn't get a deal, had a few showcases. And then uh, my last band was called Seven Years Past, and we actually recorded uh, with the Goo Goo Dolls. So Robbie Tackett, the co-founder and bass player, uh, heard us and liked us, so we recorded in their studio up in Buffalo, New York, and uh, that was fun. And that CD came out about three days before I moved to Vancouver, uh, so that was the end of my music career. But yeah, we were very fortunate. We got to play with bands like Journey, and uh, we played a show, Journey, Night Ranger, and Foreigner. We toured with Filter a bit, uh, Alien Ant Farm, you know, all sorts of different, pretty much the rock bands that were big from 2004 to 2010. Uh, we had a pretty good run there in Florida, uh, opening for those types of bands. We'll throw out so, a, a Go Gators or whatever you guys do to keep Sean. Yeah, thank you, that. sir. <laughs> but uh, so that was all part, this is all happening around the same time, right? Yeah, you know, I got started in 2004, which means I had a couple good years of the boom in Sarasota County, but then we were one of many ground zeros for the bust. So, you know, we went from, uh, you know, we saw our sales volume, you know, get get hammered. We we saw a lot of agents come in and out of the industry. And so, you know, I'm a younger guy at this point and trying to figure out for sure what I wanted to do. So I figured, you know, I had better uh, finish off my degree. So actually my sister... Uh, who's a double Gator grad. She has her law degree from there and a, and a master's in psychology. And she told me about this amazing program that had just started where you could actually earn your bachelor's degree online. It was uh, They basically figured out, hey, we can put cameras in the back of the room with those kids on campus, and you take the exact same classes that these guys are. You submit all your homework online. You take your exams in a proctored setting in a community college that was nearby. Uh, and I managed to while trying to keep a real estate company open through the bust uh, to graduate from the University of Florida with honors uh, and with a degree in business administration with a bit of a concentration in real estate marketing. So uh, that's probably uh, out of a lot of the things I've gotten to do in my life and I've had a very Forrest Gump-esque existence. I think earning that degree from Warrington School of Business at the University of Florida, considering what was going on uh, at the time with my day job, uh, you know, hey, this was a point where I was living paycheck to paycheck, running a brokerage that's running paycheck to paycheck, you know, owned by broker owners running paycheck to paycheck. It was yep. it was bleak. Uh, yep. So, you know, to come through that, I think uh, it was an amazing opportunity. 
and uh, I'm very proud that I, I managed. So yeah, that was something that Carp and I, that we, you know, that's what's great about college is you could be in Timbuktu, but you see someone with a gator hat, you say, hey, go Gators, and you have that instant connection. So right. uh, he's kind of my brother, my brethren in the in the industry when it comes to Gator fans. That's great. Now you mentioned Forrest Gump. I'm going to assume you didn't run from South Florida to Vancouver, but you end up relocating no. not just you know a little ways. As far as you could possibly go and stay on the continent without going to Alaska, <laughs> how, did, how did that happen? That's actually what my mom's response was: was you know, could you move any further, Brett? That would be great. Um, uh, it's funny. Well, you mentioned the running. I do run, but I didn't do that uh, run. I, I don't have that in me. But you know, it was a funny thing because I I was with this company for you know over eight years, and I was just kind of itching to try something different. My my second marriage was ending and I was just kind of ready for a new start somewhere. So as fate would have it, I actually ran a marathon in Las Vegas, a rock and roll marathon out there. And uh, after that race, met a couple people from Vancouver who were telling me how great it was and how vibrant the city was. And I, you know, you see Vancouver on any list that says top places to live, etc. And so that kind of put it on my radar. So I really, uh, I swear, I just Googled Remax Vancouver because I was with Remax at the time and just Picked the company and sent them an email and said, you know, here's here's who I am, here's what I do. Uh, if you have any opportunities, I'm looking to relocate. Um, you know, as I had done with Boston and some other markets, and as fate would have it, the owner called me, and we talked for about an hour and a half about real estate and life and our philosophies on things, and they created a role for me. So, uh, you know, I ran that marathon the beginning of December, and uh, by the beginning of January, next thing I knew, I had a contract, and I moved on March 4th. <laughs> so it was a uh, it was a fairly abrupt decision, but it was one that, you know, my dad told me when I was growing up, there's going to come a time in your career where sometimes you just got to jump off the high board. And I think I'd always been a little bit overly conservative, so this was kind of my big leap, uh, and, and it certainly worked out uh, for me career-wise. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a change, of course, but I loved every second I spent up there. It's, it's an amazing city, I know. We, my wife and I, Cindy, we, start, we started our honeymoon, actually, in Vancouver. And traveled, oh, nice. traveled across Canada, you know, wherever else was going to the Caribbean to cruise, I wanted to go explore something completely different. And it's, it is one of my favorite cities in the world. It's spectacular. So it really is a world-class city. And, you know, and it was, it was an amazing opportunity because I went from being with a mid-sized, you know, regionally uh, group to joining a company that at that time had about 620 agents. There was 10 offices and they were number one in the world in sales volume for Remax. So, you know, I went from the challenge of keeping a brokerage open uh, that a lot of broker owners face to what do you do when you go into the number one to try to make them better. Uh, so that was, a, you know, a big challenge. And obviously, uh, you know, I learned a lot along the way. Uh, but, I, you know, it was that being within the same brand helped to a certain extent. But it was kind of like going from playing in, you know, the farm system you know, one triple A to next thing you know, you're batting cleanup for the Yankees. It was it was definitely a leap uh, in terms of that. But the fact that the city was so gorgeous and the people were so great, uh, you know, made that transition a lot easier on me. Right. So you you were there for a while and you start getting involved with Inman probably while you're at that Remax up in Vancouver, correct? I did. Yeah, actually, uh, there was an article in Forbes that basically was one of your uh, our real estate agents going the way of the dodo bird pieces. Mm. And I remember, I think it was Laura had posted in the Inman, uh, Laura Monroe had posted in the Inman Facebook group, the article and said, does anybody have comments on this? And so I 
commented and I got a message that said, would you want to expand on that for, you know, for a piece for us? So, uh, you know, I, having been a journalist, I figured, okay, well, this will be fun. So I wrote a, a rebuttal, basically, uh, that they ended up running and they made me a contributor fairly well straight away. So that was, uh, that was great. That was around, I think, well, I can't even, I think it was about two, two and a half years ago that started. So, uh, you know, I wrote several pieces for them and then that led to me you know, getting to know more of the Inman family, and then in uh, and then last year for Inman New York, I was named as an ambassador, and that's really kind of what started uh, the next big change uh, in my career. Yeah, let's talk about that. I I've been I've been to about seven Inmans, uh, a past ambassador as well, mm-hmm. and the uh, Sherry Chris is is there. Her pre- she's just got a presence, right? And and her passion Absolutely. for people is amazing. And and she's uh you know, Brad's had her on stage and had her co host and do lots of really cool stuff. And she always just, you know, just brings amazing stuff to the stage. And I'm sure that's how you met her, maybe somewhere at an Inman conference. And all of a sudden now um you're with Better Homes and Garden Real Estate with the corporate mm-hmm. office out on the East Coast. So let's talk about that transition. Sure. Well, you know, being in British Columbia, we don't have any franchises there. So I was a little bit familiar with BHG, but not not too much. I hadn't seen them in either of my markets. So going to that Inman uh, in New York, uh, there's a quote that I like from uh, the rapper Drake that you work until your idols become your rivals. And I'm a big real estate geek. So for me, uh, you know, I was going and going, oh, my gosh, there's Jeff Lobb or, oh, my gosh, there's Seth Price. Like, I love his stuff. So I was this starstruck guy coming down from Canada, and really the only person I knew was Valerie Garcia, who's my fellow ambassador, who's with uh, Remax Integra up in Ontario. Right. And so, uh, you know, Laura, in her very sweetness, ended up having me speak at uh, Egypt Reboot, and I got to go on right after Jeff Lobb, which is not a not an enviable enviable placement uh, for your first major uh, real estate talk. But um, that's where I got to know BHG folks. I met Layton D's. Uh, who's my fellow ambassador, Carlton Utter, who's my other director in my department, um, you know, Amy Sheru, who I was familiar with, and I didn't actually meet Sherry at that first dinner. I saw her at a party at Brad Inman's apartment, but she was so swamped with people, I could never actually get over to her to say hi. Um, but she did have that presence, and I loved what she said from the stage, and, um, you know, and it was really neat to meet those folks. So, uh, really, what the genesis of that was was Carlton, and you know, we hit it off immediately. We're both form- we're both musicians, we're both Star Wars geeks, so we were simpatico uh, from the time I met him. And so he originally uh, had talked to me about, you know, they were thinking about adding some West Coast trainers. We've got groups in California and Hawaii, and you know, being here on the East Coast, they thought it might be nice to have another field trainer. Well, I talked to him a little bit about it, but it really wasn't, uh, you know, I loved Vancouver. Uh, it really wasn't the right fit for kind of where I was going uh, and what I wanted to do. And then uh, there was a woman who was in my position previously who opted to, she was working remotely, fully remotely from Austin, Texas, and she got offered a job down there and took it. So, you know, according to Amy, she stood up and walked across the, across, across the office and pulled Carlton aside and said, hey, get Brad on the phone. And, and I'll never forget this because I get a call from Carlton and he says, Brett, I'm going to, because he's got this real Jersey accent. He's going to kill me for doing this. But Don't he's like, it. Brett, there's this position. You got to, you got to apply for it. Don't read it. Don't worry about it. Just put in your name, get your name in there. And then I'll talk to you about it later, but you got to get your name in it. So I said, all right. So I, I threw in, uh, I, I, I did an application, sent my resume and all that. And then they called and really it was 
exactly the things that I love to do. Uh, the timing was good because my uh, work visa was up and I had renewed it enough that I either had to become a permanent resident of Canada or come back. Um, so there was that. My sister's up in Boston. has got two small kids with her husband. I wanted to be a part of those kids' lives more than just being kind of a face on an iPad. Uh, and then my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and he's doing great now, but, you know, they're 72. So I said, okay, well, this it all kind of added up. Um, so uh, they offered to fly me out to talk to him about it, and I did. And uh, I think the two things that I remember the most from that day is, number one, Leighton D's actually texted Sherry and, and backed me, which I still appreciate to this day. This day. And, and then the last bit was I'm very much a planner. I, when I have a job interview, you know, you, you sit there, you talk to them, you say, okay, that's great. Let me think it over. I'm going to review this and that. And I remember my, I think it was supposed to be a 15 to 20 minute interview. I think we were close to 40 minutes with Sherry. And at the end, uh, you know, she offered me the position, said that, you know, she thought I'd be great for it. And, and when Sherry Chris sits across the table from you and asks you to come help grow her baby, uh, you say yes. <laughs> so yeah. it was the only time in my adult career that I've ever accepted a job uh, the second that it was offered. Uh, so that was that was pretty great. And I remember we came out of the room and, and Amy was there and Sherry gave her a big thumbs up and she goes, oh, that's great. And then she goes, no, and gave her another thumbs up. And she goes, oh, so um, that's what started it. So it was. it's really, it's been about a year now uh, and it's just been a phenomenal experience here. I, I love your title, Director of Talent Attraction. And let's, I want to, my guess is it, there's a lot. It of, sounds like a pickup line. I, I, I had to, when I was single, I had to take it off the dating apps because nobody bought that that was a real job. That's awesome. My guess is it's, um, involves a lot more than recruiting. Can you describe kind of your typical day and, or, you know, maybe even kind of your, what, what you're doing there? Sure. Well, you know, one thing I love about this organization is the fact that we do use that term. Because I've always thought recruiting is a bit of a misnomer. You know, it's recruiting is I call you up and say, you know, Bill, I know you're making 225 a year where you're at. We have this position. We'll pay you 245 and give you an extra week vacation. How does that sound? Right. Uh, what we do in this industry is call and say, you know, Bill, I know you're happy where you're at. I want you to stop paying that broker money and come over here and pay us money. And oh yeah, by the way, you have to rebrand everything. I mean, it's a totally different conversation, right? And and it's much more about your value proposition and finding the right fit to motivate people to do better. So, um, you know, the core thing that I do is I design our strategies for recruiting and retention of agents. And then I work with our brokers throughout our network and our business consultants to kind of coach them um, on the art of growth. But beyond that, because I'm part of the platform team with Amy and Carlton, and because of my background, which, you know, I design training programs for agents and transitions, et cetera, uh, I am involved in a lot of kind of the more operational bits of the business. Uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of our franchise launches, which is always fun when somebody's bought a franchise. I help do those launches. And uh, we really just kind of work as a team to figure things out of what's going to be the best fit uh, for each job. So if we have a, a launch in an area that I've been to, Carl might go uh, so that they can get to know him. Uh, you know, I've done some webinars on some subjects, some other subjects Carl might do or one of our other trainers might do. So it's really a team atmosphere on that platform department. Um, so I, I wear a lot of hats and I know it's an overused phrase, but um, you know, that is really kind of the reality of what we do. I mean, we're not a startup, you know, we've been around eight years from, from the relaunch, but we are very lean and uh, we all kind of work together 
and there's really not a there's no such thing as a you know this isn't my job uh, that we run into uh, you know operations and platform we all kind of work together on the tasks at hand to try to provide better value uh, to our agents and our brokers so it changes almost daily <laughs> right I mean that's that culture Sherry brings to the table she wants you to be she wants you to have that startup mentality uh, never never lose that and I think that's critical to the success uh, really that's just awesome so you know, you let's talk about Inman Connect. We we were both just there, and I, um, you wrote a really nice post. I saw it on I think it's on the BHG blog, and it was um, I'll think, your, yeah. your five favorite quotes, right, from Inman 2016. Yeah, I'll, for sure. I'll mention a couple of them, and I'd like you to just kind of expound on them a little bit. I thought Gary V was okay. great. We wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah. So, uh, his quote was: "Success can be mapped by two things: work ethic and patience." Which the first thing I when I see those two words, those two uh, those two things, they they're so at odds with each other, right? Because if you're working hard, the last thing you have is patience. Talk about that a little bit. And how for sure? Yeah. Well, I think personally it resonated with me because in my younger days, those were the two things that I didn't have. Um, I've got crippling attention deficit disorder, uh, so patience has never been one of my strong suits. It's you know the the squirrel brain, and you're just kind of bouncing from here to there. Uh, and then when it comes to work ethic, you know, there's when you're kind of finding your way through uh, and you've always been, you know, this isn't to say this to brag or anything, but, you know, there's it, it wasn't that hard for me in school. Like I just things kind of came natural to me. So I didn't really learn. You know, my sister had to buckle down and study, study, study. And I didn't really ever have to do that as much. But it bit me in the butt later uh, because I hadn't learned those skills. Right. So. Number one for me, it personally resonated because those are the two things I've worked the hardest on to be successful in life and in career. But uh, you know what I've seen in my groups, both here and in Canada, is the you know you'll hear sometimes the phrase that top producers are that way because they excel at doing the tasks that nobody else wants to do. Um, you know we had a woman named Edith Chan who was the number one Remax agent in all of Canada uh, and did it with no assistant, and she just busted her butt, and it just seemed like in my career, the agents who are in the office early, they're there late, they're the ones that go to conferences because they realize you never know when you're going to hear that one nugget from the stage that's going to help you do two, three, four more transactions. Um, you know, that, that work ethic, which I think comes from passion, which is one of our core values here, uh, you know, that is critical. If you're just chasing the dollar, you're not going to find it. Um, you know, I think that the working passionately in something that you love, uh, you know, whether, you know, whether you're in real estate or, you know, my dad once said, he said, I don't care what it is. You could be, the, you know, the, the yo-yo champion of the United States, but if you work hard and become the best in the world at it, you're probably going to be able to make money at it. You'll probably be successful at it. So um, that bit is how it resonated with patience. What I see is, you know, this is a relationship business and relationships take time. There's, you know, for example, you and I had known each other from social, et cetera, you know, but we'd never met in person. So that, you know, meeting in person, that takes it up another level. And then, of course, we keep talking, et cetera. And I think too often, you know, agents take that transactional approach to the business where it's just hopping from deal to deal that they don't slow down to remember that the relationships take time. You can't just force your way into that relationship you know, because it comes off as disingenuous. Uh, you know, how many people have had a real estate agent who's your best friend until the day you write the contract, and then their assistant's your best friend until the day it closes, and then right. you don't see their face again until they send you a calendar with their face on it, right? Um, you know, I think that 
coming up with a strategy and your goals first and then working that plan and giving that plan time to marinate and to mature uh, is, is really important because too many agents I see go from farming to hunting uh, and are too short-sighted about it. Maybe they'll run a you know, a marketing blitz for three months and decide, oh, I need to do something else when it might take eight, nine, ten months to get the traction. So I just thought it was, I thought it was two things that I have always seen, uh, no matter where I've been, uh, that have led to success that a lot of agents struggle with. Yeah, that ties directly into to Billy's quote, Billy from Century 21, Redwood, mm -hmm. which just brought the house down. I mean, that was just an amazing presentation. And of course, his family coming out was insane. But his quote, would I be a lead or a person to you? Would I be worth your attention? Mm -hmm. Just a, ties right into what you just said, right? Well, Billy is without a doubt one of the most beautiful people I've ever met. He, I met him in, in New York, and he was one of these guys that you just meet right away. And he's a little geeky like me, so we had you know, a little something in common. But he's just got this amazing heart of gold. So you know, we got up there. We knew kind of what he was going to talk about. And as soon as he got into it and really started telling his story, I mean, I remember looking at Ryan Bacharos, who's a buddy of mine who's with Bamboo, and we both just have, you know, we're crying like, you know, we're like we saw the Beatles, you know, and it's it's just the tears come down. And I think that what I took away from the most, other than just loving that guy as a friend, as, as somebody I really respect and that I've been honored to get to know, is is the fact that he challenged the industry that always say, oh, well, we're community-focused, we're consumer-focused. But at the same time, if you look on social media, every post is a selfie or every post is here's my video, you know, from an open house where you don't see the house and all you see is the agent. I mean, there's not that many industries that put their faces on buses. Um, you know, this is a me, you know, there's a lot of ego in this business. And I think what I loved about Billy's speech was he challenged these folks to really put, you know, to do what they say they do, which is, you know, work and empower and help the help their clients to do to do what they can you know help them give them something you can't just google help them you know to learn to grow uh you know and you never know uh, where you know what a person's circumstances might be you know i've i've seen this where you know somebody's at the up desk and the guy walks in and it's oh i don't want to work with them i'll wait and then that guy just because he's wearing shorts and a t-shirt you find out later oh he owns you know five or six car dealerships and he's looking for a three million dollar house so um, you know, I think that when we talk about where this industry is headed, you're seeing increased automation, you're seeing ISAs being used, call centers being used, uh, you know, automatic responders and texts and all that. I get that. I get why people do it, but we can never forget the fact of these are people. These are people that we're dealing with. These are people that we're working with. You know, it's not, and, and, you know, you'll see it on social. You'll see, hey, had, you know, five closings this weekend. Woohoo. If you were one of those five and saw your agent post that, all of a sudden you feel like a number and not a person. I just think we need to get away from that. Um, and I think that what's going to happen is with the continued innovation, the people who really don't have the heart for it and really don't have those skills are going to have a much harder time sustaining the success, uh, you know, as word gets out. You know, with reviews, people can't hide anymore. Um, so, you know, that's why I love that he brought that up because I think that we forget sometimes we're so, uh, you know, we're so focused on looking at ourselves that we forget who we serve. 
and so I, I loved his speech. And Alyssa Hellman's right after. I mean, it was a one-two punch. I told him, uh, you know, what I told Billy was, I felt like he ripped my heart out and threw it in a trash can. And then Alyssa came over and lit it on fire. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was like two hours of just, you know, it was like watching, you know, Down Abbey. It was just, it was just a beautiful thing to see. And I really think it's partly what made this past Inman probably the best one I've ever been to. I think you're right. That was, he said, amazing. Um, we'll call them moments that were up there. Mm-hmm. Let me change the topic a little bit. What are you reading right now? Is there anything uh, kind of cool that you can share with us? And, and give me a couple of your must-reads and why. Sure. Um, well, I mean, I tend to read, I mean, obviously on planes a lot. So um, I, I'm reading a couple of different things. Number one is I one of my hobbies is I like filming locations. Uh, I like to visit places where movies have been filmed. It's something I try to do when I travel. And uh, about a little under two years ago, I, I did a big trip to California and Arizona uh, and visited with uh, a group of friends of mine the filming locations from Star Wars and Return of the Jedi that were filmed there. You were out in Yuma. Um, pre- yeah. yeah, I was in Yuma, Arizona. Yes, sir, in Buttercup Valley. I was Buttercup, uh, up yeah. in the Redwoods. We got to go to Skywalker Ranch and Industrial Light and Magic. So nice. uh, in 2010, I'd been to Tunisia and toured the film locations uh, from, from Star Wars that were there. And so I'm actually with a buddy of mine from England. We kind of started writing a book um, on filming locations of Star Wars. Where we're actually doing interviews with some of the cast and crew to really not just say, here's how you get to it and here's a map, but the stories of the filming that took place there. So um, there's some great making of books that I've been reading a lot of. Um, that's probably just bored everybody who's not into sci-fi. No. Oh, and I'm going to Hoth next your, year. Your Twitter, uh, we're on a fence. Your Twitter handle makes much more sense to me now. <laughs> yeah, Jedi Real Estate. Yeah, I was Remax Jedi, which is where I learned that you don't ever put your brand in your Twitter handle because yeah. if you ever switch brands, you have to change it. Yeah. Um, but uh, beyond that, uh, I love Malcolm Gladwell, so I read a lot of his stuff. Um, I just actually reread Outliers not too long ago. Okay. Um, you know, the Star with Y, of course, I mean, it's the next fantastic. Um, I actually just got Fight Club 2. Um, from Chuck Palahniuk because uh, he was at a book signing I was at. So I, I tend to lean towards, for business, I tend to listen to more audiobooks um, than actual reading the books just because when I'm in the car or whatever, it works for me. Uh, when I tend to read, I, it, I, I gravitate towards actually non-real estate books, um, just more or less business books. Uh, I love Scott Stratton, you know, on marketing yep. and all of his, all of his great books. Yep. Uh, and so I tend to gear towards like biographies, uh, and, and, you know, just general business books. Uh, when it comes to the real estate stuff, I tend to, you know, I, I, that usually is an audio book. So, um, you know, one thing I like about what our brand tends to do here is, you know, nobody in our marketing department has a real estate background. And, but they're all really well suited to the jobs they do. And, and, you know, for me in my career, I've always tried to look outside of the industry as much as possible just to see. I love knowledge. I love to try to learn from everybody. Um, and actually, we recently changed one of our core values uh, from innovation to inclusion. And, and people, of course, look at the diversity component, which I'm very proud to say our brand is way ahead of the curve, I think, on that. Um, but really what it is is inclusion of ideas, whether it's millennials, whether it's seniors, you know, different demographics, different industries. You know, wherever you can find the ideas, you can bring in and let marinate to make make the industry better. Um, you know, I'm a bit, we're a big fan of that, and that's actually kind of reflected in a lot of my personal reading that I do. Right. 
what are, what are some of the cool things you're seeing uh, agents, your agents, or even other agents doing uh, from a marketing point of view today? Well, I think I'm seeing a couple different things. Um, you know, number one, obviously, we're seeing some really creative uses of video. Um, you know, I know that there's a I'm, I'm, his name's escaping me right now, but uh, the gentleman from FC Tucker who just actually I think won an M and Innovator yeah, Award. Terry Wagner. Uh, just yeah, and he just did the stop motion with uh, the Lego him and Batman, which I thought was hysterical. Awesome. Um, you know, that type of personal branding I really like. Uh, I think so. You, so you have some of that. I I, I think one uh, other thing I'm seeing is the trend, and I was talking to Audie Chamberlain about this actually. And then is, you know, a few years ago when Give Back Homes and Rebuilding Together and all that kind of came out, it was such a weird concept. Um, and and now we're just seeing that gravitation towards combining with you know what we do for business with charitable partners. We're, I'm seeing that a lot more. We obviously announced that we're working with New Story, uh, which I'm. I'm happy to have uh, seen that and seen that launch but I love the idea that we are again you know not just saying we're giving back to the community but we're doing so in a tangible way not just locally but you know worldwide uh, you know I, I said once in an interview that I think we should feel the weight of the services we provide and I think that with a lot of folks in busy markets having great years the trend towards giving back more I, I love to see that um, you know, tech-wise, et cetera, I, I, you know, honestly, I'm seeing a lot of people kind of go away from a lot of the shinier objects. Uh, you know, a good CRM will always save your butt, but, you know, I'm not seeing as much in terms of, like, you know, the drone, uh, you know, some of that stuff that we saw a few years back. Uh, I think the Theta is great, the 360. Uh, but even that, it just shows the space, uh, the, how quickly the tech moves. You know, a couple of years ago, Matterport comes out and blows everybody's minds. Uh, you know, and now there's apps that can do some of that technology. And now, you know, Theta, you can do the 360 videos. It's, it's. I feel like if your competitive advantage is tech, you're always going to be behind the eight ball. So I like that I'm seeing agents go back to what I call, uh, you know, the down and dirty real estate, what Lee Brown calls the missionary style, you know, yep. belly to belly, nose to nose, toes to toes, and figure out ways to have better relationships uh, with their communities, uh, you know, I think the phrase that you heard the most of him and was about being the digital mayor of your community. Uh, so I love the fact that, that agents are figuring out to go back to the basics, but powered by technology that lets them do that in a, in a more powerful way and in a way that will help their clients, uh, you know, in terms of educating them and empowering them through the process. Brett, I've had you here over half an hour, and that's all. I, I promise you, I'd get you get you going today. So let me ask you the the final question I've asked every guest. Here. I talk a lot. Sorry. No, I, this is all about you. You're doing a great job. I love it. But uh, my last question: It's uh, if if you could give one piece of advice to an agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? Well, of course, it would be start with better homes. Now, um, <laughs> now you know what? I've, in all seriousness, I mean, it's my job, right? I, uh, in seriousness, I think that. To that end, starting off your career with a company that has, uh, number one, a, a broker owner that's not competing against you, that's whole job is to help you and support you and, and help you along the way, I think that's important. I think making sure that they have systems and tools and, and, and learning opportunities to help you become better at the craft of real estate, which you don't know anything about when you first get licensed, I think that's really important. But I think beyond all that, which I think anybody would tell you is, you know, it really does start with you. And, and I think that agents get too 
excited about the new tech or I need to have this kind of website or that. And they don't do the hard work first, which is sitting down and figuring out what can I offer that other people can't? What are my real competitive strengths as far as the person I am? Because you might be new to real estate, but you're not new to life, right? Um, so doing that hard look in the mirror to figure out your true value proposition and what you can do a little bit better than your competition, um, you know, having that part launch your business plan and launch your strategy before you go out there and try to just do everything that a Facebook group tells you to do, uh, I think that's a, skip a, uh, a step a lot of people skip. So, um, you know, have an effective business plan, have it cover both your personal and your business goals, and, and really hone in on what makes you unique. I, you know, I think a lot of times real estate people wear masks. You know, they, they almost act the part of what they think a real estate agent should be. Whereas you have these amazing folks out there and, and you know, you, you see them on, uh, on social media all the time, you know, the Ostroms and, and Sunny Lakes of the world. And, you know, we've got Leighton and Josh from Generations and they are just unequivocally themselves. And I think that if you can just be yourself, you're going to attract people who like you and want to do business with you. Um, so I think that's probably the best piece of advice I can give is, uh, you know, be yourself, play off your strengths, work on your weaknesses, have a plan for the whole thing, and work within a brokerage that's going to support you uh, and, and to help you grow. Uh, you know, if you're getting into this business and think you already know everything, then you're in the wrong line of work. Um, you know, the day you feel like you have to stop going to conferences that you don't need to learn anything else, uh, you should probably check out another line of work. I think that the one constant in this business other than people is change. Uh, so, you know, and learn it love it and embrace it and just keep working to get better and I think that you know success really can't help but to follow I love that answer uh, also well played Facebook group dig Brett that was great uh, well you know there's, there's a lot of great groups right? I mean there's a lot of great groups but you know if I could write a macro that automatically goes and says talk to your broker it would save me minutes a day for sure absolutely well hey if someone wants to reach out to you, reach out to you and ask you more questions or maybe give you some ideas for your book which sounds amazing uh, what's the best way for them to reach out Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm at Jedi Real Estate on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat. Uh, I'm on Facebook.com backslash It's Brett, I-T-S-B-R-E-T, or I'm at JediRealEstate.com. So uh, I always love connecting with people. I learn from everybody I talk to. So uh, I'm about the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of. So say hello, and, uh, you know, I love to talk shop. Brett, thanks a bunch for, for sharing uh, everything you shared today. Really great episode. So happy that we, uh, we were able to connect. And I can't wait to actually sit down and have a beer with you instead of just kind of rushing by you quickly at the conference. That's going to happen next time. I absolutely think that that should be a, a certainty that happens. And, you know, and congrats to you, Bill, just because you've, you've really done a lot for this industry through your podcast and through your past ambassadoring and just everything you do. Uh, you know, the industry needs more folks uh, like you. And, uh, you know, it was a real honor to be on your uh, podcast today. So I appreciate your invite. And uh, yes, the, the beers are on me when I see you, unless uh, real GT and E department and accounting are listening, then we'll figure it out. <laughs> thanks a lot, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Bill. Thanks for listening to the real estate sessions. Remember every Tuesday morning, we release a new episode. Remember to hit subscribe on iTunes or find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and, and We'd love if you leave a review that really helps us kind of spread the word about the show and, and have more people uh, kind of check out what we're doing here on the Real Estate Sessions. Until next week, keep on writing your own story.
You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.